fans and welcome to this week in nickelodeon history my name is eric cormier captain eric cormier and we are covering everything that either premiered or ended on nickelodeon from april 25th to may 1st and we start eight years ago this week on april 27th 2013 the show marvin marvin finished its run on nickelodeon created by john ross and jeff bushel it starred uh, lucas Cruikshank. Cruikshank, uh, better known as Fred Figglehorn from the uh, online series Fred and all the subsequent uh, Fred movies that happened on Nickelodeon, the Fred TV show. Uh, Lucas there had quite an empire under his belt uh, until Nickelodeon came calling, took the Fred character from, from YouTube to television stardom, and then eventually Lucas dropped into this show, which was a sitcom about a alien uh, teenager living among us. Uh, and trying to kind of blend in. You know, we've seen this happen in shows before, done seriously, uh, done comedically. I mean, Nickelodeon themselves had Alan Strange. So um, it, it kind of was just all on the back of, of Lucas, on his star power, uh, on promoting it. Um, the show only ran for 19 episodes in one season. It, it You know, that's still a lot of episodes to get done. Uh, some shows only get like one or two episodes. So, hey, 19, that's still a good amount uh, under the belt. And that was Marvin Marvin. On the same day, eight years ago, April 27th, 2013, the show Supa Ninjas also finished up its run. Uh, ran for two seasons, 39 episodes, and was created by Leo Chu and Eric S. Garcia. Uh, it was a, a teen comedy sitcom about three kids becoming ninjas, I believe in Los Angeles or something like that. Kind of like a, uh, a, from the synopsis and everything, looks like to be a, not really, I don't want to say Power Rangers, um, but they're, they're, you know, I, I'd say more Ninja Turtles than, than Power Rangers. There's nothing cosmic about it. It's just that they're, they're vigilante ninjas, just young kids. So I, I think that's a pretty cool concept to run with. And, and it definitely 39 episodes. So that's a that's a hefty run there. Also, eight years ago on May 1st, 2013, Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Boyce Bugliari and Jamie McLaughlin, starred Taylor Gray and Dylan Lane, ran for one season and 26 episodes. It's the buddy comedy. It's It's been done, I would say, to death, but at the same time, it still works. The idea of the odd couple still works in literature and media and entertainment in 2021. It's just about finding the right actors, the right writing. Everything has got to fit perfectly for it to stand out above the rest. Um, still... 26 episodes is a very respectable run. Taylor Gray actually went on to voice Ezra Miller on Star Wars Rebels, so uh, that's a pretty cool little factoid about him. I never watched the show. It was definitely past my time on Nickelodeon, um, but I, I'll I'll be fine with knowing Keenan and Kel, Drake and Josh, and leaving it at that. I don't know. Is there any uh, Bucket and Skinner fans out there that think le I should legitimately check that out? I, th I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pass on that one. 
Nine years ago, on April 27th, 2012, Rob Deerdeck's Wild Grinders premiered on Nickelodeon's sister channel, Nicktoons. Um, Rob Deerdeck, of course, a absolutely uh, a massive star in skateboarding and uh, television, many big shows under his belt. Of course, Robin Big, Fantasy Factory, Ridiculousness. Uh, this guy's everywhere. Um, beyond all of his entertainment ventures, the, he has a, a respectable skateboarding career and, of course, uh, a massive success in everything having to do with uh, skateboard wear and shoes and skateboards themselves. Uh, th this guy has the money and the resources to come out and, and do a cartoon like this. Um, now, skateboarding... Uh, comes and goes in waves. There, there's moments in time where skateboarding is really hot, and there's other times that it feels really cold. Um, and and really, it still doesn't reach the in my at least bubble the the way that I uh, you know follow skateboarding. Um, I know that people are still out there doing crazy uh, tricks and doing absolutely insane moves and being able to get footage that is still unbelievable. But the, the late 90s, early 2000s was the biggest time in skateboarding. It's just when Tony Hawk was was on top, the video game series was out there just reaching out to an audience to show them the world of skateboarding. And, and like you became so popular from that. Um, I, I think a show like this would have worked. I mean, they had rocket power, so that that was kind of the show that came along to kind of take advantage of the the rising trend in extreme sports. Um, but w when I saw this, it reminded me a lot of um, the the little tech deck uh, thumb guys that I don't know if it was tech deck that did them or, or another company, but they had like these magnetic little. Th angry thumbs that would skateboard and you'd have like magnetic skateboards and whatnot. I think tech deck had a, had a brand of those. Um, but it, it, the style of it really reminded me of some of the advertising of skateboarding from the nineties, from the two thousands aimed at children. So, uh, I know I really sounded, um, like I was being negative in the beginning by, com you know, comparing it that maybe it was late. Uh, and that, kind of is a negative, but let me just say that the whole point of me bringing that up was that the show at least visually captured how skateboarding was advertised to kids that I remember growing up with. Um, it gave off, I don't know, it just reminded me of World Industries, which was a, uh, a skateboard company that had characters and just designs that were aiming towards more, you know, kids having a more cartoonish style. And I don't know, it just... Maybe not for most people. Maybe I'm on an island on my own and I'm the only one with that opinion. But uh, the show is very, like, uh, you know, easily made. It was computer animated. Uh, and it just had a, a distinct style that I never really watched the show. But it, I remember what this show looks like and the feelings I get from that style. So I'm actually very positive on, on that part of the show. Um, and that it was another show that Kel Mitchell got work for because talk about one of the most underrated actors that Hollywood has at its disposal, Kel Mitchell. Um, but yeah, it, it was created by Rob Deerdeck, starred Rob Deerdeck. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot to do with, with making this show from, from the conception all the way to it making air on television, ran for two seasons and 52 episodes uh, it even got a mobile game out of the entire thing. So uh, that sounds like a success to me. Another another notch on the belt for Rob Deerdeck. 
12 years ago, on May 1st, 2009, part one of Wishology premiered on Nickelodeon. The Wishology trilogy is another set of films uh, from the Fairly Odd Parents. Now, the Fairly Odd Parents at this point were just knocking television films out of the park constantly, in my opinion, always having uh, just top notch entertainment and coming up with continually big ideas in their universe. And this was one of their biggest ones. The, the concept being that this one story would take over, over the course of three different nights uh, each having the beginning part, the middle part, and the end of this epic tale of, of Timmy being the chosen one and other characters coming out of the woodwork and, and whatnot, so on and so forth. Um, it, it's something that no other show on Nickelodeon I can think of ever doing to this extent. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not just... Uh, uh, just having, you know, three parts, you know, taking a movie, take, you know, cutting it up in three parts and airing them as regular episodes. Each one of these movies, I think, were extra length. Um, so it was it's one of the biggest Fairly Odd Parents events in the entire series uh, lifespan. Um, and I remember watching them and they, they did a lot of parodies of movies. The Matrix, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, The Terminator, Men in Black, Back to the Future, Star Wars. Um, which are, are some series that Butch Hartman shows have been parodying since the beginning, um, you know, with The Matrix and Terminator and Men in Black. I've, I, there are references like that all over Danny Phantom, all over the Fairly Odd Parents, so it's not even new territory for them. But uh, if you've never seen them, definitely uh, worth the watch. Um, the story they try to, 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 you know, have continually through all three parts, I think, works really well. Um, and of course, we'll talk about uh, this a bit more next week, and maybe I'll go back and watch them before uh, next week's episode, because uh, this first episode aired on May 1st, and the other two aired May 2nd and May 3rd, which would count under next week's episode. So uh, stay tuned. Maybe I'll go back and, and uh, watch them before next week. 13 years ago, on April 26th, 2008, The Mighty Bee premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Amy Poehler, Cynthia True, and Eric Wise, The Mighty Bee um, was the just completely advertised around Amy Poehler, who at this point was one of the biggest comedy stars in the world and was an absolute just fireball wherever she was hosting shows her time on SNL she has a lot of energy and and um, she has some of the most beloved characters in television uh, if you've ever seen Parks and Rec I, I hope I have some Leslie Nope fans out there listening um, but this show just it, it had a lot of energy it definitely had the Amy Poehler stamp of approval all over it beyond the fact that she voiced the main character of Bessie um, but it really, like, when I remember watching this show, I, I watched the premiere in a few episodes. It didn't click with me as it did with other Nicktoons, but it reminded me so much of of SpongeBob. It, it had the, the energy of SpongeBob. It, like, wanted to be that kind of next in line of, of that just hyperactive character who's super positive. Um, I, I think it just was missing the jokes. I don't remember if those jokes landed. Uh, it, it did it did run for a respectable 40 episodes and two seasons on Nickelodeon, uh, the first 20 episodes on Nickelodeon and seemingly halfway through season two, getting the old move to Nicktoons Network treatment by November 6th, 2010, before it finished its run on Nicktoons June 12th, 2011. 
Um, so right there, I mean, Mighty B might have been one of the first to to kind of fall into this trend of a show having its its first run on Nickelodeon and then just getting pushed off to the sister channel. Um, but I, I th this definitely still has fans out there. It, uh, it, it has I've I've seen Mighty B memes online. To be completely honest, I've seen one or two of them around on Twitter. Uh, so this definitely has has its fan base. It has people who who are nostalgic about Mighty B right now. Um, I is there room for there to be a return of the Mighty B? I I think so. I'm sure if Amy Poehler wants to do it, it's something they could do. But but what say you of the fans out there of Mighty B? If you're a fan of the show, would you like to see it uh, return in some way, shape, or form? That that would let's see if that would uh if that would happen down the road if enough fans get behind it. 19 years ago, on April 28, 2002, Caitlin's Way finished its run on Nickelodeon, created by Paul Bellos and Thomas W. Lynch. It starred Lindsay Felton, ran for three seasons and 52 episodes, and was a uh, one of Nickelodeon's premier teen dramas of the time. Uh, Nickelodeon didn't do this very often. They didn't have too many dramas uh, as much as they did comedy shows. They they leaned more on the comedic side. Uh, but I remember this one being a somewhat big hit at the time. I barely ever watched it. I think I've maybe seen one full episode my entire life. Um, but that's a that's an absolutely respectable run for a show. Three seasons and 52 episodes. Um, I mean, I know dr some dramas can just go on and on and and I, I don't know. I, I sometimes think stories just are nicer finishing up and not just dragging itself on television. But um, I, I don't see a lot of people talking about this show, though, as, as popular as I, I remember people at the time talking about it, um, or at least some people mentioning it. Uh, maybe I'm just maybe, maybe I'm thinking it wasn't as popular as it was or as I think it was. I don't know. 18 years ago, on May 1st, 2002, the Nicktoons Network premiered as a channel, as a sister channel to Nickelodeon. Um, by the by, the year 2000, Nickelodeon had enough content under its belt from the 90s that they could rerun all of that on a separate channel and still get a decent viewership. But this idea wasn't more or less about all of Nickelodeon's back catalog. It, this became the, the channel just for the Nicktoons, although eventually some live-action programming would make its way to the network. Uh, beyond Nickelodeon content, Nicktoons Network also hosted a few acquired shows and even some original programming that were exclusive to the Nicktoons Network. Um, sometimes those shows would eventually air on Nickelodeon, even in small segments, but... Um, uh, Nicktoons Network was still a big deal. I remember when we first had access to it on digital cable. It's a show. It's a channel I had on my televisions running on on days that I knew there wasn't going to be anything else like on any other channel. So there was like two or three days of the week that it was just all Nicktoons Network, and I was really excited about a lot of their original shows. Um, now, for the shows that they had drop on day one, you, you have your classics. You have your Doug, your Rugrats, your Ren and Stimpy, Rocco, Cat Dog, Ah Real Monsters, Hey Arnold, Kablam, Angry Beavers, Oh Yeah Cartoons, The Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, as told by Ginger, Action League Now, Chalk Zone, Invader, Zim. How about that list? And it's not even over because Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, The Butt Ugly Martians, and Pelswick also premiered on that very first day, on that May 1st. Um, 
Now, as far as the live action programming, uh, during one October in 2008, they aired Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they also aired a lot of the Power Rangers series, Samurai, Megaforce, Ninja Steel, and Beast Morphers. Also, Rank the Prank premiered in a, in a small a small amount of time in 2017 from February to April 1st. Um, there's also, I mean, when you even look at some of the acquired shows, it's the, it's the way that I saw shows like Yakety Yak. Uh, I came across Martin Mystery because of the Nicktoons Network. Uh, Kappa Mikey, one of my favorite cartoons they, they, they ever had as an original series. Uh, of course, this is also Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, where I first even heard that it was airing. Um, and, and they just, it was a fun network. Uh, even when it first dropped, it was exciting to have access to all the old stuff consistently, consistently because by 2002, they weren't really airing episodes of Rocco's Modern Life on regular Nickelodeon. I mean, yeah, during the holidays, if there was an episode to air, you'd find it maybe at like six in the morning. But if you wanted to watch Rocco at that time, you, you had to get one of the VHSs if you had it. There wasn't really a way to watch that show. So, boom, here comes Nicktoons Network, a chance to at least catch Rocco a few times a day. Absolute wonderful idea. Um, so I, I like that the channel exists. And, of course, the, the one argument of these uh, cartoons I've brought up many times on Nickelodeon kind of taking these cartoons and moving them over to the network, uh, you need original series. You need new stuff to get people to watch the network. But... Um, I, I think it should be reserved more for original series like they've done in the past than to just rely on stuff that Nickelodeon may not feel is good enough for their original network. But um, I'm glad the Nicktoons network exists, and I'm glad it's still kicking to this day. 22 years ago, on May 1st, 1999, SpongeBob SquarePants premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Steven Hillenberg, SpongeBob SquarePants is Nickelodeon's biggest cartoon, biggest Nicktoon of all time, and it is up there as one of the biggest cartoons in the history of the world. Um, it is one of the longest running as well, currently in its 13th season with 267 episodes under its belt, three theatrical films, um, a multitude of video games and, and comic books and other entertainment. SpongeBob is one of the most branded cartoon characters up there with Homer Simpson and Bart Simpson. I would even say that there's probably um, just as much SpongeBob merchandise as there are Simpsons merchandise. Although I don't know if you've ever gone through the collection of, of the kinds of Simpsons merchandise that exist. I, I implore you to look up some collections on Instagram of the Simpsons and uh, shout out to uh, to Sean, the uh, Beavis and Butthead collector on Instagram. There's some uh, so many products for these cartoons. But, but SpongeBob is, is Nickelodeon's golden goose, and they struck lightning twice, surprisingly, because before SpongeBob, they had Rugrats, which was a massive hit in its own right, doing things that were unheard of for a television cartoon to be able to do. It, it exceeded all expectations. And, and once Rugrats was kind of hitting the wall that it was, you know, its decline, SpongeBob came in out of nowhere and exploded in popularity um I, my whole you know podcast what we're listening to is all devoted to spongebob 
Um, and the character and the world and the show means the world to me, especially those those original those first three seasons in a movie. I don't want to. Um, I'll harp on that for the rest of my life. Those first three seasons and that first movie as as a package is is one of the greatest packages that you could come up with for a, a animation to show people to say, look at what I have here and watch all of this. Absolutely amazing work. Um, and and since then, they've been trying to capture that magic because that magic is so palpable. The fact that almost all of the memes that still come out of SpongeBob are born from those original seasons. Most of the of the famous quotes of SpongeBob come from those original seasons. But look how much those quotes and those moments have permeated in our pop culture. Like it, it immediately left a, a lasting impact that is still felt to this day. It's it's magical. It's absolutely magical. Um, we love SpongeBob over here at this at this channel. Everybody loves SpongeBob. Everybody has a, a moment or a phrase or a character that, that just brings a smile to your face, and that's that's the ultimate beauty of it. Is that worldwide that sponge that square uh, shape has brought so much joy that you could wear a SpongeBob T-shirt, go to another country, not speak the language of someone, and still have an interaction because of SpongeBob. Um, it's, it's just, I could go on and on. Obviously I have a podcast that I do about SpongeBob. So, um, but, but to this day, still, still such an, an absolute wonderful character to have as part of our pop culture. And, um, I'm, I'm glad he, he's still going to this day. I hope SpongeBob continues and, and can be passed on to newer creators, new writers, um, and, and to go through its phases. SpongeBob is right up there with Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and just, you know, should eventually just keep going and going. Some people might want to see it end, but, you know, that means that they have no nothing else to add to the story. Uh, no other stories to be had. There's episodes of SpongeBob that I can think up of in, in like five minutes of just little things that can branch off into funny jokes and whatnot. Like there's more stories to be had in the world of Bikini Bottom. So here's to another 22 years of SpongeBob SquarePants. 32 years ago, on May 1st, 1989, the show Think Fast premiered on Nickelodeon. It was a game show created by Bob Mittenthal and Michael Klinghoffer and uh, was narrated or presented by Michael Carrington, best known for his work on The Simpsons. I actually have no recollection of this game show whatsoever. It ran for two seasons and 110 episodes, finishing up, um, I believe, at some point in 1990, or I think ended on May 1st, 1990. I think they, uh, they just went a full year with the show, and that was about it. I never actually uh, watched this game show. It's uh, two teams of two, one of them wearing gold, the other one wearing blue, compete in various events that would boggle the mind as well as the bodies. The team that completed each stunt won money, $50 for round one, $100 for round two. In the Carrington era, because eventually he was dropped as the presenter and then uh, Skip Lackey took over in 1990. So in the Carrington era, it was possible for some events to end in a draw, whether by both teams failing to complete a stunt or by a tie score. When both teams failed, no money was awarded to either team. With a tie score, the money was awarded to each team. Uh, also in the Carrington, Carrington era, some events required a team to buzz in when they were done. If a team buzzed in without completing the event properly, the other team won. 
Um, so there was just like I already see there were some games that were like Simon where, you you know, you're going to have to remember the series of events of colors or lights or sounds, things like that. They they had basketball type games, this or that word search, mind boggling. I'm just reading you some of the events they've had Wipeout, out uh, mess heads, movie marquee. So they, they threw a lot at these kids. So some some mind puzzles and some physical challenges as well. Season one had 65 episodes taped in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, the 45 episodes of season two were taped in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so, you know, I ho- if that show ever hits on Paramount Plus, I definitely would be uh, would be interested. I'm a sucker for like game shows and whatnot. So I, uh, I would definitely check that out. 36 years ago, on May 1st, 1985, the show Out of Control finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Bob Hughes, it starred Dave Coulier and ran for one season with 26 episodes. Dave Coulier, of course, best known for playing the character of Joey Gladstone on Full House, uh, hosted the show, um, which also featured um, uh, Fred Newman who is best known for playing Skeeter Valentine on the show Doug and makes a lot of funny uh, noises with his mouth and uh, was was a guest star on this show. But it was a uh, a sketch comedy show um, hosted by Dave Coulier. I, I've seen very little of this. Um, I know that, uh, uh, that I think cut his phrase, cut it out, comes from this show on Out of Control. I, th- I think that's what I remember happening. But eventually Nickelodeon would find even bigger success in the in the sketch comedy world with all that just a few years later. So um, but hey, look, out of control. If I ever come across uh, some episodes, I'll, I'll let you guys know what I think of it, as always. And lastly, 36 years ago in 1985, the show Livewire ended its run on Nickelodeon. Um, I couldn't find a direct date for the end of this show, although when I first clicked on it, it mentioned um, May 1st or the end of April. But then when on the actual page on Wikipedia, they just have dates of 1980 and 1985. Um, it started in September 1980, but there's no time in 1985. But we're here and we're talking about it. Uh, Livewire was a um, the series was designed for kids of all ages and was was focused on discussing current events and stories of the time. It was taped at the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York through Reeves Teletape Studios of Sesame Street fame. It was filmed live on tape with a participating audience of about 20 to 30 teenagers and was hosted initially by Mark Cordry, but Fred Newman. Skeeter Valentine soon replaced Cordry as host. Um, it was a Cable Ace Award winner and the first Nickelodeon talk show to achieve that feat. It was their number one rated show in 1982 and never went below number seven in the ratings during the five year span of the show. Now, that is a very impressive time there and you know what like five years i'm surprised they ended this concept if the five years that this show was on it never went lower than number seven of the top 10 why why would you stop that show there's clearly an audience that wants this kind of content and i think nickelodeon shot themselves in the foot a little bit there ending this show and also by never reintroducing this show i mean it doesn't even have to be on the regular nickelodeon channel they have teen nick as a channel, Livewire can be 
a a show that, you know there's an, there's a show on Facebook called Red Table Talk which um uh but I'm not, I forgot who stars it I think it's it's Will I think it's Jada Pinkett Smith who does that show who does who does Red Table Talk let me look this up I'm not going to act like I'm going to be prepared for this since I just mentioned it right now but uh, Red Table Talk. Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith and Willow Smith. So, uh, look, I'm not a, I don't watch that show, but I like its concept. I like that it's it at least it presents itself of a show of honesty, of show of just conversation. Um teenagers, they I mean they have their own platforms. They don't need Nickelodeon to be the platform for this. But there's still room for this kind of content for getting people, kids from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and talking and discussing things. There is certainly room for Livewire to to be on our on our radar in 2021. Um, but it look, I mean, as you can tell, it was a massive success of its time, and and had a a bellow of guest stars. Looking through this list, I'm seeing James Earl Jones on here. I'm seeing John Hurt, Kiss. Um, the Ramones, okay, they were on this show too. Sugar Hill Gang, I'm fan. Twisted Sister, look at that. Um, hey, I'll watch any show starring Fred Newman. I'm not even saying he has to be the current host. I think that would probably be a mistake since there there seems to be no nostalgia for this show. I don't hear anybody talking about it, but um, I, like I said, I still think there's room for this kind of content. So congratulations to all involved of the show Livewire, and that is this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, if you ever have any Nickelodeon questions you want for me to talk on the air, you can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, ufonyx.com. And with that, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. On the Lord of Nick. On the Lord of Nick. Nick. On the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one Nickelodeon.